The Life, Love, and Leadership Podcast is a presentation of Marissa Q. Payne International, Dr. James Payne Speaks, and the Foundation for Successful Marriages with Rare Gem Productions. Learn more at SuccessfulMarriages.org. And here are your hosts, the doctor and the missus, Marissa Q. Payne and Dr. James Payne. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I love that song. (laughs) (laughs) I say so. Welcome back to Life, Love, and Leadership with Dr. James and Marissa Q. Payne. I am Marissa Q. Payne. And I am Dr. James Payne, and we're super excited to have you with us for another exciting episode of Life, Love, and Leadership. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. Word of advice, you need a notebook. You need a notebook for this podcast because... In between all the laughing, we tend to drop nuggets, tips, tools, resources you can use in life, love, and leadership. Grab a pen, hit the subscribe or follow button because you don't want to miss what we have to say because it's usually good. Sometimes it's random, but it's usually good. It's usually the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Today should be no exception. What's the big idea? So today's big idea, we're talking about the importance of majoring in your mate. You know, like you go to school and you major in something. Come on here. The importance of majoring in your mate. And I'll unpack five key elements that you must know about your mate to establish greater intimacy and kind of build your relationship. So majoring in your mate is the topic today. You better study Marissa Q. Payne. You know what? You better study. I got a test on Tuesday. (laughs) Yes. Got a test on Tuesday. I like it. There will be an exam. Yes. And I get, you know what? It's interesting. I was just, someone posted on Facebook. um, They were looking for ideas about how to be more romantic. Mm. Um, And, you know, people were sharing, you know, they were like, oh, I've done flowers and dinner. I'm trying to look for more creative ideas to be more romantic. And people were sharing, you know, different ideas. And I said, Ask your mate, Mm. you know, because all romance is not created equal. You're absolutely right. And, you know, sometimes we understand how our partners are, uh, but we don't always understand why they are like Mm. they are. Mm. Uh, So today we're going to unpack how to understand why they do what they do, Mm. uh, because understanding the why can sometimes be the difference between making it and not making it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So there's a reason why you are like you are? There is a reason. Yes. So nothing happens in isolation. There's a reason uh, why I check doors 511 times <laughs> to make sure it's locked. There's a reason behind that. Oh, wow. That must be in the 301. I <laughs> might still be in 201. You still, I didn't you still, know. You still learning. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So major in your make. But before we dive into that, I always like to know what's going on in that pretty little head of yours. What you thinking about today? Oh, okay. So I have a confession to make. Mm. I'm struggling. Okay. <laughs> Say more. I am trying to get my healthy lifestyle together mm. and it is an ongoing challenge. Yeah. 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 What's the biggest challenge? Honestly, you know, I'm a recovering workaholic. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. Can I ask you a question? You may. A recovering workaholic. Yes. So that, that says you're no longer a workaholic. 
or is recovering, do you mean that from you're still in process of recovery? So to to be real transparent, I think workaholicness is not unlike alcoholism, mm. right? So um it's the kind of thing where you have to constantly work at it. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, if you are an alcoholic, you you know that you have to constantly honor that reality because you can slip at any time. Yeah. So um, I, you know, I'm a recovering, you know, uh, workaholic. So yes, I used to be a workaholic or I had workaholic tendencies, whatever you want to call it. And Mm -hmm. I have to constantly work at not being a workaholic. Okay. Um, I am subject to workaholism at any given moment. Okay. Got it. (laughs) If I don't, if I'm not intentional about turning it off. Mm, okay. Um, I feel like you're trying to say something. Well, so <laughs> I still think you, you, you still work hard. Yes. Uh, and I'm just trying to get to make sure I understand the line that you're drawing between what workaholism is and what just working hard is. Oh, yeah. yeah no, workaholicness is... Constantly, you know, so I, I, yes, you're right. I do work hard, um, but I used to work all the time, mm-hmm. all the time, um, nonstop, uh, literally um, wake up, go to bed on the weekends, no separation, um, period. That's mm-hmm. all I did was um, ate, slept and breathed work. So I'm, I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, however... Um, because I work hard, I do still tend to, um, you know, I, um, it's hard to find time to prioritize, you know, it's like going to the grocery store, picking out the healthy food, cooking the healthy food, doing the exercise, mm-hmm. you know, that plus... Now, you know, that's where I got to stop you, because when was the last time you've been in the grocery store? This, Sir, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's my whole point. Like, all the time that it takes to do all the things that are required mm-hmm. to maintain a healthy lifestyle yeah. is more time than I currently choose to give Mm -hmm. um because i got work to do yeah yeah but i so i i kind of wrestle with the workaholism just from the standpoint for you work is play yes uh and so you know if, if that's where your happy space is is it really that but just you know thinking out loud I know. So, and I need to get my life together. Mm. <laughs> so, um, and I mean, I have like, you know, I bought my Peloton mm. and it's very simple. Like this is the newest clothesline. And get on the bike. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I haven't even been doing that. Yeah. But it's a productivity thing, you know, because I'm most productive in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right. And everybody says work out in the morning. Right. But I'm most productive in the morning. Yeah. So for you, you see that as an opportunity cost if you give up those hours where your brain work is 
Exactly. You know, and it's hype. So then like I get up and I'm like, I start working because I'm most productive and most creative. Mm-hmm. And then you got to stop and then like go get on the bike. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't usually want to stop. Right. And then so then you work all day. Now I'm tired. I don't want, you know, so I'm just, all these are excuses. I know if to the health coaches out there, you like ready to reach out to me and all that. I know. Mm. And, mm. and maybe you should reach out to me because I need <laughs> help. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the struggle bus. Yeah. Um, I am on the struggle bus and I'm making excuses and mm. I also know that. So I just need to get my life together. Wow. Um, and you do better than me and I hate it. Well, I don't know if I do better. I do different. Um, mm. And so, you know, from an energy management standpoint, when I come home, uh, I usually that's my exercise time. So I'll usually hop on the bike and get out there and get my exercise in mm-hmm. uh, because I'm starting to. Uh, cognitively, I'm starting to come down a little bit. Uh, and so now that's the time for me to kind of hop into some physical exercise and, and get it in there. Yeah, I think that's the tricky part is that I work from home, yeah. you know, so there is no going out and coming back no and all break. of that. You yeah. know, it's mm-hmm. just home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. It is just home. I, I mean, I it. do have a home office that I go to, but it's just home so that, you know. I, I have to be more intentional and I'm a homebody. I'm okay with being home. You mm-hmm. know, I'm an introvert. So I'm, you know, I love that. I love my new office space, you know, so it's so funny because actually going outside and getting behind the wheel of a car is weird to mm. me. Wow. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, you know, it's not like riding a bike. I'm, yeah. I'm actually kind of awkward driving these days. Can I just say you're a terrible driver? <laughs> I mean that with all love. Okay. But anytime you're driving somewhere and we can be on the phone because we talk a lot when you're driving and I can't be there and you're like, uh, ooh. I'm like, what happened? I almost ran into the curb. Or I cannot, I, for the first time, I must admit, like, I'm like, I can't drive. <laughs> you can't drive at all. You'd be I, like, but I've only been behind the wheel, like, probably five or six times since February or March, since, you know, since we've been stay at home. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm out, but if I'm out, generally speaking, you're driving or the kids drive me. Like, I, have, I haven't had to drive very much. Yeah. Um, so, it's. It's a rarity. Yeah. But it's the good life. I have a driver on my vision board. So I'm just, I feel like I'm just leaning, lean, you know, leaning in that direction, which I'm excited about. I hear you. I hear Get you. me from behind the wheel, honey. We need yes. to for your safety and everybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about that part. But yeah. this, this health thing I have got to conquer. Hmm. Um so that that's that's I'm gonna get I'm gonna get serious about it here in the near future. Got it. Because that's it. ultimately it's a decision, and I know that you know I'm a coach. I do this for a living, right. so I just have to decide, decide and act on that decision. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, what about you? What's going on in that brilliant mind of yours? So uh, this week, what's on my mind? I've been processing a couple different quotes. I uh, was reading this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, and it said that envy is ignorance. And imitation is suicide. And Ooh. I was processing that in the vein of uh, we, we look at um, other people's relationships and we make these comparisons and, and refer to things as relationship goals. Mm-hmm. And I, I began to process that as a detriment based on this quote 
to your own relationship mm. when you're looking externally. The other quote uh, is uh, from an unknown that says, uh, he who looks uh, external dreams, but he who looks inside awakens. Mm. And so the, the point being, you know, you get the best version of yourself when you look internal, not when you're looking about what's outside. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you want the best version of yourself, if you want the best version of your relationship, mm. if you want the best version of any expression in which you show up, you can only find that if you look inside, you'll never find it by looking external to other people. And so that just really resonated with me uh, because it's so popular uh, to look at other people as measuring sticks to see how you're doing. But that's not where you find it. You find it inside. You're putting that PhD to use this week, I see. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 really, really good. Yeah. That's yeah, really yeah. good. That's like you just be sitting around the house thinking about stuff like that. You know that. what? I, I, I do from time to time. I do from time to time. And so th those were those were quotes that was just, you know, kind of sitting in my head. I was kind of wrestling with uh, and uh, thinking through. And then I had one more. So this is just kind of of a quote week for me. Okay. okay. And then I had one more uh, from Einstein um, who, you know, we, we think of brilliance when we think of Einstein, right? Sure. And he had this quote where he actually debunked the myth that he was a brilliant person. Okay. Uh, and the quote is this. Uh, he said, I'm not especially brilliant. I just sit with problems longer. And so what that said to me is we all have the ability and the capacity to sit with our stuff longer. Mm. So be it something in your personal life, be it something in your relationship. Uh, if you sit with the problem longer, you have, you're apt to find a solution. And so by his own admission, the person we look to for brilliance when we want to exemplify what brilliance or excellence or a, a strong thought life is, we point to Einstein and he's pointing back and saying, I'm not especially brilliant. Hmm. I just sit with stuff longer. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. As a coach, you know, we believe that um, or fundamentally that, you know, our clients or the people that we work with are inherently strong, capable and wise. Mm -hmm. And that the answer is always inside. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm here for that. Yeah. For sure. Which is why I was like, I'm, you know, whining about, you know, my inability to exercise and eat right. Mm. I obviously know how to do it. Yes. You know, just got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you said it and during your time. Just decide. Yeah. And act on that decision. Okay, fine. Yeah. So that's what's on my mind this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get ready to rumble. So for this week's fight of the week, um, we were enjoying a, a pleasant dinner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at a at a restaurant, but uh, fear not, there was no angry chew. No angry chew, as you may recall from season one. Uh, but we were having some dialogue and some discussion about the uh, state of affairs uh, in the United States of America, uh, particularly as those affairs are associated with African Americans. And my wife and I are both African American, very proud to be African American. Uh, and uh, we were talking about uh, racism and the impact of racism uh, on communities of color uh, and kind of how those affects um, 
uh, kind of show up. And we had some measure of disagreement uh, in that. Uh, and don't let me correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. where you stated that uh, all detrimental effects in African-American communities are steeped in some form of racism. And my position was uh, I don't necessarily buy that all forms of detriment uh, are steeped in racism. Um, There are some things that we just don't necessarily uh, that that we just got to stop doing Uh, and violence in our communities. We, we, We just have to stop being violent toward each other. Uh, and so we, we had some some disagreement uh, about that. Uh, and I think partly for me, uh, I reflect back to some times in the 60s when we were um, a, a closer knit community and we had more of a common struggle. And we also didn't necessarily have the rampant levels of uh, violence against one another. And I understand violence across races is due to proximity. You kill who you're close to. I get that. Uh, but but I, 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 I thought we had some disagreement around um, this topic. And I kind of wanted to unpack it and kind of talk about it and give the listeners an opportunity to weigh in on some different things. So what are your thoughts? Do y'all talk politics and all the stuff, irreverent stuff, y'all not supposed, we not supposed to talk about in society in y'all house? Because mm. we do. And <laughs> it gets real. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we do it at dinner in public restaurants. <laughs> yeah. And so it was so weird because like uh, the, the, the conversation, um, I guess our voices maybe got a little high <laughs> and we weren't yelling at each other we were just passionate about passionate our position and so at that point everybody in that section of the dining hall <laughs> were, was able to really be in on that conversation and I would look up and I see people looking over and it, it, it was they did not ask for it and their <laughs> dinner experience and we were just going in and it was just terrible so my thing mm-hmm. you know is I feel I felt like you were painting this utopian picture and being hard on the community Mm. you know like oh we're killing each other um we you know um come down we destroy our neighborhoods if we would just pick up the trash in our neighborhoods and then our property value wouldn't be so low like you were black victim blaming Mm. essentially as if um systemic racism was not a thing institutional racism didn't exist and and we weren't uh, that that didn't happen Am I right? Like, that well, was no, no, your... no. So not that it didn't exist, not that it's not a thing. Let me let me be very clear. I have been the victim of racism and bias uh, on numerous occasions. I get it. I'm with it. I understand it. Uh, my 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 contention. But she was like, we can't use that as an excuse. No, my, my contention was if, if you have a, a, a dirty front porch, uh, Racism doesn't prevent you from sweeping your front porch. <laughs> that, 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 that's my thing. That's that's my thing. If you have uh, something immediate that you can address, that you can fix, that you can make better, uh, we can't necessarily use racism for things that we're not doing. But you were saying like the prop. So black neighborhood, the property value in black neighborhoods tends to be lower. And you were making it seem like that was black people's fault. Well, you on the you on the conversation on the way to take the boy to school now. 
Well, I'm just saying it was a continuation of the same conversation. You're using violence. Mm -hmm. And so what I was saying was that... um, so you're using the 60s and how close the black community was in neighborhoods and, and that sort of thing. But you can't like just take that in isolation mm-hmm. because, um, you know, we had separate but equal yeah. um, legislation mm-hmm. and redlining. And we had, quote unquote, black neighborhoods that where all the classes of black the black community lived together because we had to live together because the, we were kept out of certain zip codes mm-hmm. and neighborhoods, yep. right? Yep. And so it was completely, that's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, because white flight happened and all of that stuff. And so you had, you know, the community was... Um, you know, the sectionality or the intersectionality, the classes were all together. Mm. Um, And that was intentional. Um, And then obviously as that institutional situation and housing discrimination began to get addressed, then we kind of began to spread out. Um, Not to say that it's all been addressed or what have you, but even like I said, property value. Well, what determines property value? School district, you know, the the quality of schools, what determines quality of schools? Standardized testing, which we know tends to be biased against um, people of color. And so all of that stuff, like it's all systemic. And so to just, you know, say that, well, if black people just pull them up by their bootstraps when the whole system is flawed is a flawed way of thinking and I think about that's, a, that's an argument I'm not making. I'm, I'm okay. not making a, 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 a pull up like by your bootstrap argument because I, I, I completely agree and subscribe to the Dr. King uh, um, method where he says he who starts behind in a race shall forever remain behind unless he runs faster than the man in front. Uh, so Obviously, we started with a huge disadvantage. So I, I, that's not a that's not an argument that I'm making. The argument that I'm making is you made a blanket statement that any ailment that's wrong in black community, you chalk it up to racism. And I said there are elements within the black community that we can better uh control we can better take care of and we can do a better job of but at the root of it you will find systemic racism i don't i ain't backing off of that so if 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 you won't cut your grass or you won't (laughs) sweep your front door it's due to systemic racism who is talking about cutting the grass that's not an ailment that we're talking about though well it, it it has some it's some part of an indicator for and i understand school district and all that uh standardized testing i agree with you but it is part if if you don't maintain your property, you don't maintain the exterior around your property, does that or does that not have some impediment on the value of the property that you live in? Well, it depends. Do you have to work three jobs in order to get a livable wage and you don't have time to cut your grass? Mm. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair because obviously there is employment discrimination. Uh, that that uh, black and brown people deal with that uh, the majority does not deal with. So yeah, that's absolutely a fair statement. Uh, but it doesn't go away from the fact that there are some things we can do 
uh, better to improve our communities uh, and have a better lived experience. Do you disagree with that generalized statement? I'm waiting for it. I mean, sure, yet yeah, can we can all so I lost a, I lost a very uh, I lost a very dear friend, uh, very dear friend uh, to gun violence. Uh, can 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 my very dear friend uh, go to a bowling alley and be safe uh, and not be? Can, can we can we not shoot each other? Can we agree on that? I think it's complicated because <laughs> I I don't know the young man's story. We address that issue differently. Mm. Um, I think that I think number one. You know, it was a, a issue of mistaken identity. Um, I think that, unfortunately, that he thought he was, you know, involved in something that he wasn't involved in. That aside, that that's a way that, you know, young men are addressing their anger. Um, you know, that I think um, in urban communities that issue, you know, what has that come, like the root of that gun violence stems from from a bunch of discrimination, right? Employment, opportunity, um, over-policing um, records so you can't get jobs, you don't get a fair shake in the system, right? So crime is the way to get money to take care of family. And a lot of that. So, again, it goes back to the roots and the origins. Um, I think that there's a story there. Mm -hmm. um, the absence of male figures in the community and fatherhood. And, and that goes back to separation of families um, and slavery. That's what I was saying, mm -hmm. that ultimately the institution of racism in this country impairs and impacts our community and is deeply, deeply rooted. Um, do we have responsibility? Of course, um, individually, and there is a lot of work to be done, um, and it begins with owning and accepting mm -hmm. um, because we have painted over it like it doesn't exist yeah. um, or like we can just... You know, because one or two or three of us have, you know, navigated through mm -hmm. that that repairs and heals and it does not. No. And I completely agree with you. Uh, there is structural and systemic racism in this country that absolutely has to be fought against, addressed, uh, corrected, remediated. Um, absolutely. And uh, there is opportunity for black and brown communities to do things different and better uh, to help engender and support change as well. We do. So we can agree on that. We can. High five. We made it. <laughs> Air high five. Air high five. <laughs> <laughs> What's the big idea? What's the big idea? What's the big idea? What's, What's the, the big, big idea? <laughs> so for today's big idea, I want to talk about the importance of majoring in your mate and unpack five key elements that you need to study in your mate to really know them, 
to understand them and to really appreciate who they are. Get your notebook. Get your notebook. <laughs> uh, because we go into class, you got a major in your mate, like you major in a subject in school. So the first thing that I think you really need to major in your mate is you really need to study their habits. Now, mm. that's what they repeatedly do time and time again. Uh, you know, we often know the what of how our partner shows up but we don't always understand the why of how our partner shows up. And so understanding and studying their habits and really working with them to understand the why is important. You know, I used to wonder, for example, uh, why in the world you kept moving so much in your career? And I think you had like 27 jobs in 20 years or something like that. Something, yes. Something crazy. And I, I kept wondering, you know, why and you kept uh, going with all this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial pursuits. Uh, you did prepaid legal discovery toys. <laughs> you know, you name it. You were trying to do something uh, entrepreneurial. Uh, and it wasn't until I understood that at your core, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, and I was able to give you the support you needed because I understood the why beyond the what. So the habit was that you kept shifting different positions. You kept taking on uh, new entrepreneurial things. That was the what. But our intimacy expanded and I was able to appreciate and better support when I understood the why and the why being that you're an entrepreneur. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. This is new to me. So I have to do my homework and think about the habits that I observe in you and, and go deeper about that. But that's that's intriguing. I like that. Mm -hmm. uh, the second part is to know and understand your spouse's or your partner's history. Uh, now, this is where they come from and how that history has impacted them and how they show up. This is about their hardwiring and understanding their history. So I was talking to a gentleman recently uh, who lives in a seven figure home uh, and earns a tremendous salary, but is definitely afraid of running out of money. Hmm. Craziest thing. Uh, but because money was always a scarce resource growing up and because he didn't fully understand, uh, you know, how his family earned money and money was always scarce, he's definitely afraid. He's married today and his wife considers him to be a tightwad, but she didn't understand fully the history to why he is as he is. Uh, and so the more that she came closer to understand he's this way because of this historical experience, they were able to build closeness. They were able to have more intimacy and come closer together because she understood not just the what of his history. She understood the why of his history. She understood why he was showing up like he was showing up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting as you're talking about this. I think it's it's nice if the partner understands it. Um, it's even better when you understand it yourself as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes I understand things about you um, that you may not even know or appreciate about yourself. And sometimes that can make it difficult, mm -hmm. you know, or that you haven't necessarily owned up to or acknowledged. Um, and so sometimes I have to just keep that to myself or you just may not be ready to own up to it yet. But, you know, that's just kind of the dance, I think, in relationships, particularly when it's about your past. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's just stuff, yeah. you know, that we may not see about ourselves or our past that we just haven't like made the connection yet mm -hmm. that your your partner can actually observe 
um, and know and make the connection for you. Um, and sometimes you can have an intimate conversation about it. Um, but sometimes your partner just might not be ready mm-hmm. um, or see that. So they might resist it or defend. Um, but that that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because ultimately, everything that you've gone through from a historical lens, it shapes how you show up mm-hmm. today. It shapes your worldview, your paradigm, how you contextualize things. And you bring that to your relationship. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's it's marrying. You're not just marrying a person or being in relationship with a person. You've been in a relationship with that person's history as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, and so getting to know their history is really, really, really important. Uh, the next thing is hardships. Uh, and that's understanding not only through a historical lens, but even, you know, hardships that they may be experiencing in daily life today. Uh, understand it's important for you to understand. And you were such a blessing to me uh, several weeks ago uh, when you just looked at me. It's like it looks like you're carrying a lot of stress. And I was carrying a lot of stress. But having that level of awareness of the, the hardship that I was going through at that particular time and being able to kind of save space space for me in that moment uh, and and, and kind of help bring me back to balance was important. Uh, and so having the sensitivity to understand their hardships, both historical and whatever they're working with now that may be a hardship or a challenge is important to build an intimacy as well. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, the fourth one is hobbies. Uh, understand what they enjoy doing and how they spell relief. <laughs> how they spell relief. Now, this is a big one and support them in experiencing their hobbies as often as you practically can. Now, I, I can only support you in experiencing your hobbies uh, so much because your hobbies are super expensive. What's my hobbies? I'm just teasing. Your hobbies ain't super expensive. What are my hobbies? Uh, your hobbies are spa days. You you love you know, going to the spa, just unwinding. You love uh, having people paint colors on your toes. <laughs> you love getting a massage. You know, you, you, you love uh, treating yourself well. Mm-hmm. You love uh, fine dining, great food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you love travel to get away. But, you know, you're not trying to go to Louisville. <laughs> you like, can we be in Africa by Thursday? So... <laughs> Preach, preacher. <laughs> preach, preach. So that's why I say do it as often as practical because we can't be in Africa every single Thursday. Okay. The word. Um, I know most of my hobbies are shut down. <laughs> theater. I love theater. Yes. It's sad. Yes. 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 <laughs> Yes. Uh, And then the last one is to make sure that you understand the harvest. Mm. Okay, And and what that is, is what your partner may have sown uh, heretofore that they may reap in the future. Uh, And that's just kind of keeping everything front of mind. You don't want any surprises or anything like that, uh, because essentially you guys are riding in this uh, relationship life together. So if there is a bump in the road or if the car crashes, uh, Mm. you will be impacted. So it's important to understand uh, the harvest that your partner uh, may uh, influence to be sown in your life and in your relationship. Mm, So that could be good or bad. That can be good or bad. Mm. That could be good or bad. Uh, And so but it's important to have these uh, levels of understanding about your partner. Uh, I think it builds closeness. I think it builds intimacy. And I think it helps you better understand who you're married to. uh, And you just get to know them better. Like so good. So habits, history, hardships, hobbies and harvest. You said it. 
You said it. You said it. And so those are the five things uh, that I think you need to really tap into and major in your mate to understand who they are and not just the what, but the why of those things as well. And as you unpack that why, you get to know them better. You become closer. Uh, And I think the the walls start to come down. Mm -hmm. We joke and talk all the time about um, and excuse me if you're eating at the moment. uh, But but we joke all the time about uh, when you felt comfortable uh, pooping in front of me. <laughs> what is with us in pooping? <laughs> but it, it, it's just letting down, okay? It, it's just taking down the walls. It's getting close. Uh, it's being intimate. And it's just, you know, really coming together uh, and making sure that you have this understanding about your mate. Got it. Yep. So for homework this week, uh, we want to encourage you to spend some time getting reacquainted with each other uh, in your mate in these five areas. Get to know their habits, their history, their hardships, their hobbies uh, and the harvest that they may cause your relationship to reap. All right, party people. So we are going to call that an episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you heard something that you think will benefit someone, will you do us a favor and spread the word? Share this with someone who needs to hear it. Join us on Thursday on the Successful Marriages Facebook page for a live recap. And we will see you next week. See you. Bye. This is Life, Love and Leadership. The Life, Love and Leadership podcast is a presentation of Marissa Q. Payne International, Dr. James Payne Speaks, and the Foundation for Successful Marriages with Rare Gem Productions. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube to learn more about our guests, show notes, services, events, or to get involved, visit SuccessfulMarriages.org. Life, Love, and Leadership is another positive production of Rare Gem Productions. Thanks for listening. Thank you.